0: the easiest win if you can just get them to remove a constraint from an offer then if it really is a constraint maybe you could work into what well, could you deal with something via active network management or, or could you do a little bit of reinforcement to overcome that constraint and that might be worth doing paying a bit of money for some reinforcement to overcome a constraint that you know there's all sorts of other things that you could start digging into ways to overcome particular constraints which is going to be on a sort of site-by-site basis, but sometimes you don't have to spend huge amounts of money to make quite a significant difference.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Connectology podcast. Here, Road Knight-Taylor's influential team of elite connection specialists and their expert guests help you to better understand distribution and transmission network connections and how to acquire them faster, for less cost, and at lower risk. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Connectology podcast. Um, I'm joined by Pete Aston, and we are going to be discussing understanding outage risk. This is uh, the uh, precursor to a webinar which we're recording in a couple of weeks time I think. So by the time this goes out it'll be uh, uh, shortly before that webinar and that webinar is at 10 o'clock on Wednesday the 12th of July so that's 10 o'clock Wednesday the 12th of July and there's going to be an awful lot of material to cover on the webinar so this podcast is really a way of trailing it um, helping people understand um, who it's for why we're doing it and what we're going to be covering um and to give you an idea of uh, which of your colleagues friends or family uh you might be um uh, throwing this pointing this in the direction of um sharing it with so that um they can be on there and as many as uh, we can from the sort of the connectology community can um get up to speed with this this ever growing risk and i think we'll kind of cover that um that ever growingness in in this podcast um obviously um if you just tune into the connectology page on the website you'll you'll see that first of all very quickly why uh we should be listening to Pete uh, uh, in this regard so Pete headed up the system planning function at um Enged WPD as was so responsible for the um ongoing design of the the extra high voltage network so that's 33 kV and above across all four license areas And so this was very much um, his bag at outages um, and how to design networks in order to uh, avoid them, essentially. He's definitely, as far as I'm concerned, the right person. He was also responsible for the relationship with National Grid at the transmission distribution boundary, which may or may not be relevant, actually, because I am the lay person in the room and people will be able to put put me right. Um, He was also responsible for the rollout of active network management at... WPD and get that's quite important because actually there is a uh, there's a big difference between uh, a m uh, curtailment and abnormal running risk outage risk I believe um, so uh, hopefully the right person for the job so hello Pete hi you
0: nice to be here with you
1: excellent uh, or not here because you're in Bristol and I'm actually in, in, in the office but uh, there we are um, so first of all, my reasons for Um, because it was actually this podcast was my suggestion because normally often it comes um, from the connectologist and that's because I I, I'm in the office I I hear an awful lot of what's going on in terms of the the work we're delivering and the problems we're solving for clients and there's an increasing amount of conversation that I hear about outage risk projects that are connected and are suffering significant, as in millions of pounds worth, of outage cost in terms of lost revenue from lost energy, a year. So, I'm really significant issues that we've essentially, or Pete rather, um, Pete, Philip, Catherine being parachuted in in order to overcome these these issues. And so, I'm I've become very conscious that it's something that is. Kind of slipping through the net, maybe isn't yet. Will be coming more within the consciousness of the developer community as they hear these these horror stories, and as development directors and investment directors um, decide that they need to be up to speed with this in order that they're they're not the next one to to get caught by it. And the other thing is actually an awful lot of projects. First of all, um, the team here are identifying but also mitigating these risks. So that risk of missing out on significant um, uh, levels of income from projects, they're finding ways around them. And that's either for projects that are um, accepted schemes or projects that, that, are, that are connected. So I thought, wow, this sounds like a, sounds like a thing. And we discussed it a, a little bit on the webinar on understanding DNO uh, curtailment reports the other day. So do have a look at that one on the Connectology page. Um, and so we thought, right, we'll we'll do this, do this properly instead of just um, touching on it briefly. So that's, that's kind of why. Who this is for, I would say very much um, for the likes of development directors, Investment directors, people who are either um, making calls on significant levels of development risk capital going into projects, people who are acquiring projects as well, just to make sure that they understand um, sort of where the risks are. Um, I guess how to manage the likes of Road Knight Taylor and other professional advisors in this in this area, um, and just really inform the decision making of the sort of the community. Um, as as a whole so that's that's the why i guess sorry we haven't actually heard anything from pete yet um that's the why and the who and pete first of all you know i know that you're involved in one project which has connected been connected for years and you're in there helping the client do you want to without giving away any um sort of commercially sensitive details just give me uh, sort of a very brief overview of of that as a case study in the level of risk that developers could be facing
0: yeah thanks you so i think in terms of what i've been working on recently uh, you know so connection like you say, has been been connected for well over 10 years um seeing an increasing level of um Constraints, outage constraints. Um, so there's outage constraints for this particular connection that have been built into the connection agreement. So they were there in the connection offer originally built into the connection agreement. Um, and for a while at least, didn't really play a major part in the, the overall picture of that connection. Until um, outages started happening on the network of quite a significant duration, um, or, you know, repair maintenance upgrade of the network so so that i guess that's one thing to to bear in mind is that you know from what i've seen on this particular one this issue can lie dormant in a connection agreement for some time giving a sort of false sense of security like until a, it starts to bite
1: like a ticking time
0: bomb a bit, a bit like a ticking time bomb so yeah on this on this particular connection um sort of over the last five or six years there's been quite significant outages relating to um, this is a 132 connection relating to uh, the rebuild of various 132 kV overhead lines. Um, you know, so I think that's amounted to you know in the order of a couple of million pounds worth of cost in terms of lost revenue on this particular site over the last five or six years. So, so that in and of itself is is bad news for that particular connection. The real hammer blows come this year in this particular site being told that they're going to be off supply for between six and seven months next year Um, in total due to the rebuild of a particular 132kv substation and that's going to result in multi-million pound losses uh, lost revenue uh, over that particular um, period so which is of course a an absolute hammer blow uh, for that particular connection so uh, that that's what you know i'm dealing with with that particular scheme trying to work with the network company work with the developer to try and th- think of ways around that but th- this one's particularly bad uh, you know but but there could be other schemes out there that look equally as bad as as this one
1: right sounds sounds quite quite frightening um and this is a 132kv connected project and and historically if you go back to sort of up until uh, 2015 when the uh, renewables incentives for utility scale projects were essentially sort of abolished um, by that conservative government. Up to that point, most of the projects were connecting at 11 and 33 kV. If you look through the ECR, so that's the Embedded Capacity Register, um, we can put a link um, in the description. The ECRs of the different network operators now, The the number of projects that are connecting at one, three, two. So first of all, lots of 1 through kb projects and lots of them kind of maxing out up to that particularly for solar um, 50 megawatt ac is there likely to be therefore not only a growing scale of risk because they're bigger projects so the the um the lost income per hour i guess is going to be greater is it likely to be a growth in the number of projects that are potentially carrying one of these ticking time bombs along with them?
0: Yes, I, I think so, because, um, like you say, historically under the feed-in tariff scheme and the renewable obligation certificate schemes, so the ROCs, um, they they very strongly incentivized connections sort of up to about 5 megawatts, um, occasionally a bit bigger. So so there were lots of schemes 2017 and, and before that that were 5 megawatt scale, um, which were typically 33 kV connected. Um, So like you say, we've now got lots of 132 and potentially 66 kV connections at distribution level where there could very well be um, a lot of constraints, outage risk constraints in those offers. Um, And and at 132 kV, things just take a long time. Uh, You know, tower painting, circuits can be out for quite a long time just to paint towers. Um, And so tower, tower painting is one that's just, you know, one of many things that could take out a connection for quite a long period of time. I, you know, there's all sorts of other things. Uh, every type of asset replacement maintenance takes longer at 132 kV than it does at 33 kV and 11 kV. Um, and I think it's worth saying to you as well, we're seeing an increasing amount of this sort of thing at transmission level as well. So it isn't just distribution schemes. Um, historically, transmission schemes have been very big generators, you know, big coal-fired power stations, nuclear um, sites and so on, who who will have multiple circuits into a site, more security to them uh, than just a single circuit connection. Uh, th- a lot of the schemes that we're seeing now at transmission are tee offs from overhead lines, um, connections into bits of bus bar that get switched off when there are circuit outages or transformer outages. So the sorts of things that we could see at distribution level, um, at 132 kV we can also see a transmission level and often these are uncompensated constraints oh, at transmission so, uh, as well
1: oh right that's something as as the clearly the amateur here um i just assume that if you um were constrained due to an outage abnormal running at transmission level that you would be compensated but that's not the case then
0: no so so there are lots of situations at transmission where if there is an outage and you are constrained off, that you would be compensated. Um, but if it's if it's the connection arrangement whereby you are effectively teed off a circuit and that circuit is switched off, um, but basically in the connection offer at transmission, that would be classed as sort of a uh, an outage but that you wouldn't be compensated for. So these things exist at transmission level. Um, and at transmission level, the other one is that um, tertiary connections where these sorts of effectively outage constraints really bite hard. Um so so there are all sorts of things at um transmission and distribution level that effectively come under the same bracket.
1: Right. That's like that's that is quite frightening because you're looking at, you know, therefore even greater risk just because of the scale of investment and so the you know the potential lost energy. on a given half hour
0: if you think about it a transmission level if if you're a tertiary winding connection for example um and a transformer that you're connected to faults the super good transformer replacement is probably at least six months if not more you know so so you're you're sitting on a potential long outage delay you know from the word go with a tertiary connection and the same with lots of other type of connections as well so these things are baked into a lot of connections lots of connection designs and you have to look a little bit further afield than just the assets you're connected to as well so so there's clearly the if you're connect the, the situation where you're connected to an asset that asset gets switched out you obviously go off supply and uh, you know that's the really obvious one the less obvious ones are where there are wider um, wider constraints that you are are then subject to um it, which is like the circuit that's you know 30 miles away when that one's switched out you get into tripped off um or just constrained off by a control engineer and then you're off for the duration of the outage they they're the ones that I think tend to get missed because they end up going into the small print you know you've got to look right to the end of the offer to to work out what they're actually saying about that and 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 they they're the ones where I think there's probably more risk of developers not picking up some of those constraints
1: if you're liking this podcast so far you may want to pop over to the connectology page on road knight taylor's website and sign up to the connectology newsletter for much more know-how insight and thought leadership in electricity network connections the link to this is in the description don't miss out on any of the articles explainers videos webinars and podcasts that road knight taylor's connectologists share to give you an edge and help you overcome your grid frustrations. And I guess the other thing is is understanding when you're looking at one of those constraints is being able to to put some numbers some estimates around that constraint because actually if it's just talking about n minus 1 condition or you know such and such a circuit that that might not mean anything to most people and I guess that could be why so many of these projects Um, that those risks slip through the net at due diligence. And, you know, I know that we've been working on some projects where they did go through due diligence and obviously came to us after the event. Yeah, easy to miss?
0: Uh, Absolutely, yeah, really easy to miss. So uh, some of these constraints are literally stuck in the middle of paragraphs or, um, you know, at at the end of documents, really These sorts of constraints should be pulled out right at the front of an offer and go, these are the things that you could be turned off for. This is really significant. Here's all the historical outage information for you to make an informed decision for for your connection. But that is generally not the way it happens. It's generally, especially at distribution level, I think it's a bit better at transmission. They're a little bit clearer about it. Um, But at distribution level, this information can get stuck anywhere in an offer. And it's it's really quite... um, Crucial to to read like all of it, uh, especially that you know, it, and they always each of the DNAs generally puts it in certain places, so so you, you end up knowing where to look. But it can it really can easily be missed, and it's and it's so much easier to deal with it before you connect your site um, rather than afterwards, uh, which is why you sort of t- talking about that due diligence stage is so important, um, because you know once you're connected, you're you you've invested and. You still have to try and make the make the best of that investment. Whereas at, at least at due diligence stage, you can make the decision not to progress if if you think the risk is too high. Um, but once you have identified the risk, you've really then got to work to, to either try and get historical outage data from the DNO, which they should provide. They won't always, but you know, you'll have to try and work at that. And then you and then you're trying to understand or well, from that historical data what does it mean for the future? Um, we're, you know was we're, were the last 10 years representative of what could happen in the future? The last 10 years have been really easy, no major works. You could again be lulled into a false sense of, sense of security by historic data. So historic data is good, but it doesn't tell you what's gonna happen in the future. So you've gotta then layer on top of that some general thoughts around maintenance periods, fault rates, um, uh, Etc. So you know you've really got to work quite hard to understand what what the real outage risk is all about.
1: And, and I guess even even harder um, once you've identified that outage risk to to come up with a a credible um, resolution to that, a way of mitigating it that you can actually sell to um, the yeah. system planner at that network operator.
0: Yeah, and and sometimes sometimes we've seen constraints thrown into connection offers that just feel like it's the DNO trying to cover their backs. You know, it's like, well, here's a list of constraints. I, I, I saw, I saw one constraint in an offer that I was reviewing a few weeks back that just basically said, you'll be constrained for any one, three, two KV outage. When I was talking to the client about this, I was like, I mean, is this any 132 kV outage anywhere in the world? Or, (laughs) you know, is it specific to the UK only or a certain bit of the network? So, you know, you can't work with that until you start talking to the DNO. Going, what does this mean? What were you trying to achieve by saying this? And sometimes it's a case of they didn't really know, but they just thought they probably should write something in an offer just to cover themselves. So, which isn't very helpful. So, so you've then at that point you got to start digging in with the DNA. Well, what do they really mean? Um, and can can they potentially just, you know, limit that? What change the offer? I mean, that's the easiest thing is just go actually actually write what you meant, you know, or what, what you really need, not just you know everything. <laughs> uh, so that's the easiest win if you can just get them to remove a constraint from an offer. Then, if it really is a constraint, maybe you could work into or. Well, could you deal with something via active network management, or or could you do a little bit of reinforcement to overcome that constraint? And that might be worth doing, paying a bit of money for some reinforcement to overcome a constraint that, you know, there's all sorts of other things that you could start digging into ways to overcome particular constraints, which is going to be, you know, on a sort of site by site basis. But yeah. sometimes you don't have to spend huge amounts of money to make quite a significant difference
1: and i guess that's the thing and, and and this just jogged my memory actually i was on a call um with Catherine and um two uh investment directors and they were grilling Catherine about a constraint on a project and it made me realize that for investment directors, the the level of expertise that you need in order to get the best out of advisors consultants in order that you can do the math in order that first of all you can decide whether or not you want to acquire a project but also and this kind of loops into what you're talking about to work out what your budget is going to be in order to mitigate that risk because you now if you're prepared to invest 50 100 million in a project um, then you might be Uh, very ready to invest another couple of hundred grand or maybe even a couple of million in order to get x percent to squeeze x percent greater income out of that project is that kind of does that make sense
0: absolutely because there'll be some there'll be some schemes where it doesn't make sense there'll be some schemes where you go to solve this problem you have to spend a few million but if that's a you know, fifteen megawatt, thirty-three kV connection that might be completely disproportionate, and and you go well, actually, m- maybe that's one to not proceed with, which I think is a very very valuable thing to to know to 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 know that signal to not proceed as as well as it is to say, yeah, actually, spending a few hundred thousand on this scheme will will make this viable and proceedable. Um, you need you need to get into that so that you've got that sense of proportion as to what you could spend to um, mitigate the problem um, and there'll be lots of times when you can mitigate the problem there'll be certain times when you can't um, and you've you've just got to be able to get to the bottom of the the issue and to work out what what the issue is and how you deal with it
1: cool good excellent thank you very much Pete and just you mentioned um 33 kV back then so because I've been kind of majoring on the 132 and then you mentioned transmission as well um but just looking at those um, sort of 33 and, and there'll be projects at 66 as well. Um, do they suffer outage risk and are those risks sometimes mitigatable?
0: Yeah. Most uh, common outage risk at 33 kV is where a connection sits on an a, an, a circuit that forms an interconnector between two different um, bulk supply points, two different BSPs. Um, and what can often happen is, that interconnector is used to transfer demand from one BSP to another during, let's say, grid transformer outages, um, and often constraints are written such that if a grid transformer is switched out and your and your interconnector is effectively moved um, onto the other substation, you'll be turned off. And of course, grid transformer outages happen quite regularly. So um, I certainly seen it when I when I worked for a, a DNO that um, customers were turned off. Quite regularly, as these um, interconnectors were sort of switched around between the different BSPs. So, very much can happen at thirty-three kV. Um, we we managed to solve one issue um, with one of these connections by installing a fifteen grand uh, isolator, thirty-three kV disconnector, in a line, and that that reduced um, a particular connection's outage risk by weeks and weeks during for every year. Wow! It's like well. So it's the a no re- brainer isn't
1: So it? the return on investment for for that that fix would have been, I oh, mean, huge. then you wouldn't get a better return on investment.
0: No, can then at times uh, give you that flexibility of feeding both ways, and and if you can do that at application stage, it, you know, it's so so much the better. It you know resolves all of those sort of post offer discussion
1: processes. okay and if and if you let's say you haven't and there are going to be i mean cuz obviously we see an awful lot of connection offers where others have have made the applications and you know we do know that there are many missed opportunities and weaknesses so let's say we've got um some in the audience listening to this and who will be on the the webinar um if they've got a load of offers And they haven't taken those precautions. Can you actually address these after the event? So, I mean, obviously, if you were to kind of reapply, if you were to wanted to increase or well, increase your capacity, change technology, change a red line boundary, whatever, then that's not an allowable change. If you wanted to convert to a looped connection or put an inline isolator in or get a reconfiguration of the network. Maybe even go so far as to say, "What if? What if it would be a bit of reinforcement? What would it be?"
0: Is it possible to have those conversations? I think it is. Um, you know th- the risk is that the DNO goes right. Well, this is a brand new offer. I'm tearing up your existing one. You go to the back of the queue. So uh, it's really a. Pl- it's really working out how you can make that request, um because with, if if a DNO, if you've got T off connection, for example, a DNO will probably not have considered you feeding one direction and not the other, you know, or whatever that they're assuming if, if if the circuit you're connected to is out, you're out and you, and you're not going to be able to feed either direction during the outage. If you say, well, I I want a line isolator between me and the substation down the road so that if the substation down the road's got transformer maintenance, the isolator can be opened and I can be kept supply. The DNA might not have considered that in their original design process so they might need to then consider that so i think if a dno isn't willing to engage on doing that sort of reinforcement work in order to avoid constraints then it's definitely a conversation to take further up the chain
1: so lots lots to play for i'm conscious of the fact that we're this is a it was meant to be a very very short podcast and we appear to be you know hugely making love to this you know it's great by the way um to be discussing it with you First of all, when it comes to the podcast, um, there's going to be a couple of case studies. I know that Philip's got a really good one. Um, we we did some work, identified a huge number of constraints on a project, but then worked with the the network operator to uh, mitigate those constraints. And I think it went down from something like six percent um, loss of income down to about three percent. So, and and that's the I guess the kind of thing that. People tend to focus on AM curtailment risk where they get a number from the network operator. You don't get that um with constraints. You know, you just get, you know, potentially in the small print that that there might be something gonna happen. So so that that's a really good case study. There's another one that Philip did actually for um one of my projects here at Landown that we secured some capacity for um when he put a switched alternative in place. And that I think had a had a huge impact where it made the project viable when it when it wouldn't have been otherwise. I, I mean other than the fact that um I, I think my what I have got out of this conversation is that there are an increasing number of ticking time bombs out there. Some of them you can you should be able to identify by being very, very careful. And you know if you're going looking for for IEDs, I guess you're going to be very vigilant. Um, you need to be you know looking for very fine details um, and understanding what you 're seeing, so there are increasing number of t- ticking time bombs out there with a greater level of impact, so I guess the charge is even greater than it would have been because we 're talking about very big projects, Some of them you can diffuse, and so that 's great um, you know have you know for example, having you parachuted into that project that you 're working on at the moment, some of them you can diffuse that 's great. Some of them you simply can't. And I guess that's where you just got to stand well back, just get back as far as you can. And I think that really is about is about due diligence, about identifying them um, at that point or even not putting the application in the first place because obviously, you know, oftentimes, a lot of the time, you can see that there is going to be that outage associated with it. So uh, first of all, do you agree with that? And secondly, is there anything else you'd like to add um, before we call it quits. And say so we look forward to seeing everybody on the webinar.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with that entirely. And I think, you know, just worth finishing on, it's the longer you leave it, the harder it is to deal with. So, you know, if you can sort it at application stage, it's easier than post-acceptance, which is easier than post-connection. You know, it, it gets harder and harder to deal with. Um, so get get it sorted up front if you can if not deal with it through due diligence um but yeah i i do think you're absolutely right brilliant i like your analogy
1: thank you and pete i know that i um you gave me a whole load of questions i was meant to ask you um and i haven't asked you any of them because i thought you'd end up doing the webinar (laughs) two weeks (laughs) ahead and on a podcast and without philip so uh, apologies for that but thank you i think that's um that's been great um thank you everybody for listening do um, get that you have to invest uh, you know a lot of your time in in these and we really really hope that you do feel that you get um get valuable insight from it um and pete thank you so much and um would you like to thank the audience and say goodbye to
0: thank you very much for listening and hopefully that you'll tune in again for the next one
1: thank you very much take care bye-bye bye Thank you for listening to this episode of the Connectology podcast. If you found it helpful, please share it with any of your colleagues or connections you think may be interested. And please do subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you get your content. You can find out more about our services at roadnighttaylor.co.uk, link in the description, where you can also sign up to our free Connectology newsletter for more news and thought leadership in network connections. If, during this podcast, you found yourself wondering what it would be like to have a Road Knight-Taylor connectologist in your life, please do email laura at roadknighttaylor.co.uk to find out how their game-changing skills and insight can change the game for you too.